Uh, we're going to continue our sermon series today. Uh, this is our second week of sermon series called Don't Keep Calm. And so we're talking about the need um, to not keep calm. Uh, oftentimes uh, you, you, you'll hear the, the saying, the old British saying, um, keep calm and carry on. And... Um, we don't, we don't, we don't believe in that here in City Chapel. We we're trying to, to the best of our ability, um, stir up a little bit of, of passion inside of you and a little bit of uh, fight, I guess, inside of you to to not keep calm. And uh, this sermon series is really for anyone. This is for if, if if you are a Christian. I think it's especially applicable to you. If you are not a Christian, if you're just if you're just curious, you're just interested in what this Christianity thing is all about. Um, it's also helpful to you because we're going to be talking about some of the, uh, the the power that we have as Christians, especially when it comes to prayer. Um, we started 21 days of prayer and fasting last Sunday. We started that, and all this week we've had prayer meetings every single evening, and then on Saturday we had one Saturday morning, and, and basically we're coming together. There's been about 15 of us each time. We're coming together, different folks coming together to cry out, to call on God to do something. And that's what we mean by don't keep calm. We don't mean like panic. <laughs> we don't mean lose your head. Uh, this is not this is, not, this is not the time to hit the panic button on your life. But rather, what we mean is get, get desperate for God or get hungry for what God has to offer you. And there's some really great things that God has to offer us, some great promises in His Word. We're going to be exploring one of those today. And um, so, if you will, uh, we have some, some scriptures to read. Uh, and the first one is found in Psalm 145. And we read this one last week. Psalm 145, verse 18 through 19 says, The Lord is near to all who call on him to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him, and he hears their cry and saves them. Also, Psalm 57 2 says, I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. Psalm 34 17 says, When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. Lamentations 2 9. Is a, the, the, the writer is calling on Israel and calling on the people of God. He says, Arise, cry out in the night. At the beginning of the night watches, pour out your heart like water before the presence of the Lord. Lift your hands to Him for the lives of your children because they are fainting for hunger at the head of every street. Whenever, whenever, whenever there's difficulty, whenever there's problems, the answer is always to pray first, to cry out to God first, to seek Him first. I want to read to you a passage from 1 Samuel chapter 11. This is a story. We're going to read the whole story and I'll come back to it a little bit later and we'll, we'll walk through the story. But this is an interesting story found in the Old Testament of the Bible. That's the left-hand side of the Bible. Uh, 11, uh, chapter, 1 Samuel chapter 11 says, Then Nahash, the Ammonite, came up and encamped against Jabesh-Gilead. Now, Jabesh-Gilead is a tribe, uh, it's, it's, it's a clan from the, one of the tribes of Israel. This is a family, it's a rather large family. They've, they've, made it, they've made their own settlement. And Nahash is an Ammonite, and he's brought his army and encamped against Jabesh-Gilead. And all the men of Jabesh said to Nahash, Make a covenant with us and we will serve you. It's interesting. Like not one single shot has been fired. Not one single stone has been thrown. Not an arrow has been. But, but they realize they're outnumbered. And so they, they reach out to Nahash, the Ammonite, and his army. They want to negotiate. They say, make a covenant with us and we will serve you. Verse 2, And Nahash the Ammonite answered them. He said, On this condition I will make a covenant with you that uh, I may put out all of your right eyes. <laughs> and bring reproach on all of Israel. Then the elders of Jabesh said to him, 
hold off for seven days uh, that we may send messengers to all the territory of Israel. And then if there is no one to save us, we will come out to you. So the messengers came to Gibeah of Saul, that's where Saul was, was living, and told the news in the hearing of the people, and all the people lifted up their voices and wept. Verse 5 says, and there was Saul. By the way, Saul is the first king of Israel. The first king, was, he was appointed by God, and, and he's just starting He's just starting his king job. Right? He just got appointed by God in chapter 10. And uh, he's just now starting, as, as you can see in verse 5, here's Saul coming behind the herd. <laughs> he's, still, he's still got his shepherding job. He's kind of part-time shepherd, part-time king. <laughs> he comes up and he says, what troubles the people that they weep? And they told him the words of the men of Jabesh. Verse 6, then the Spirit of God came upon Saul when he heard this news and, and he began to shout and dance and, and, and he took a lap. Uh, no, actually. Um, and he got ticked off. His anger was greatly aroused, to use the Bible language. So he took a yoke of oxen, that's about, I think it's about 12 ox, and cut them in pieces and sent them throughout all the territory of Israel by the hands of messengers, saying, Whoever does not go out with Saul and Samuel to battle, so it shall be done to his oxen. And suddenly the fear of the Lord <laughs> fell on the people. Uh, I love the Bible. It's so, it's so honest, so honest with us. And they came out with one consent. When he numbered them in this certain town, um, the children of Israel were 300,000 and the men of Judah 30,000. And they said to the messengers who had come to them, Thus you shall say to the men of Jabesh Gilead, Tomorrow by the time the sun is hot, you shall have help. I love that message. Then the messengers came and reported it to the men of Jabesh, and they were glad. <laughs> That's the biggest understatement of Scripture. <laughs> Therefore, the men of Jabesh said, I believe this is to Nahash, Tomorrow we will come out to you, and you can do with us whatever seems good to you. So it was on the next day that Saul put out people in three companies, and they came into the midst of the camp on the morning watch and killed the Ammonites until the heat of the day. And it happened that those who survived were scattered, so that no two of them were left together. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's still applicable today, this historic uh, writing that has been passed down through the ages from scribes uh, after scribes after scribes uh, has been so meticulously cared for. It's, it's given to us today for our learning. It's not just, uh, it's not just historical uh, fact. It's also uh, for our instruction so that we can learn about you. So, Lord, help us to see you. Help us to see Jesus Christ in this scripture. Help us to see Jesus in your word. May the word... Uh, uh, become flesh today. May the word become alive among us today. We welcome, we welcome you, Holy Spirit, and pray that you comfort all the Texan fans in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, hey, you made it further than Detroit. That's all I can say. Um, you know, yeah, somebody, somebody's looking on the bright side. The glass is half full. Um, uh, I mentioned earlier that we're doing 21 days of prayer and fasting. Um, fasting, although, although it sounds exciting, um, moving fast, it is 
not nearly as exciting as it sounds. Uh, fasting really is a biblical term, which means to stop eating stuff. Um, some of us are fasting sugar. Some of us are fasting a lot of different foods. Um, I, I myself am, am doing what was called the Daniel fast. Um, this is taken from uh, the character in the Bible named Daniel who, who declared this particular diet that he was going to go on. And, and he says in scripture that he ate no delicate food, I think is what he says. No, no. Anyway, nothing nice, basically. And it's so true. That's exactly the stuff I've been eating. So if my breath smells a little bit off, it's because I've been eating nothing nice for the past seven days, okay? Um, nothing nice. Like, like you know, you're not allowed uh, meat, which I, which I, you know, I'm a carnivore. I love meat. You're not allowed meat. You're not allowed dairy. No cheese, no milk, no uh, eggs or anything like that. You're not allowed, um, let's see, sugar. You're not allowed, like, like, that's pretty much my diet. Carbs, dairy, sugar, bread. These are all things that I live on. Um, but they're not allowed. Instead, it's pretty much fruit and vegetables. Now, for those of you who, 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 are, who, are, who are, you know, judging me, I, I, I have um, compromised the Daniel diet a little bit. Um, and I've had some coffee, yes, every other day. I went from, like, five cups a day down to one cup every other day. Just kidding. I didn't drink five a day. Um, one every, one, it's an exaggeration, one every other so I have been cheating in terms of like coffee because I I, so I, I I need to be awake to stand here before you today. So it's for the Lord. It's for Jesus. I'm drinking espresso for Jesus. This is for the Lord. And for those of you who are not drinking coffee, let me just commend you. You your your mansion is going to be much nicer than mine when we get to heaven. Mine's going to be like styled like the '80s. You know, I'm going to have pink tile like permanently, pink tile in the bathroom. You know what I'm saying? And like floor wallpaper. It's going to be rough. I'll still be in heaven, but you know, we'll, you, know you, you guys are my heroes. Like um, I did that um, two years ago. I didn't went without coffee, and, and I was just tired like all the time. And so I decided that being a pastor is a little difficult to do that. And so um, I have been cheating a little bit uh, with coffee. But 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 uh, the first day of the fast row got this brand new mixer, the blender called a Ninja. For those of you who are in the know, it's really really hip, and uh, I blend stuff up. And so she you know makes this uh, smoothie for me. Um, just, uh, it's a smoothie because, you know, it has fruit. It's got like bananas and apples and then a bunch of green stuff. And um, you know, I kind of look at it. I'm like, it looks kind of green. And uh, so I drink it and, I, and I'm like, oh, it's kind of lumpy. Like to me, I'm a texture person. So uh, drink like liquid should not be lumpy and food should not be liquidy. Like these things... These, these, these should be separate. There's separate spots on the table. You got cups for liquid. You got plates for food. And they should be separate. But, but it was a little bit lumpy. And it tasted a little bit like, I don't know, spinach. And so she said, well, you know, there, you know I didn't think you'd taste it because it's in a smoothie. And so we kind of have this debate going on back and forth. And I'm like, oh, yeah, because my taste buds take a vacation when they, when they learn it's a smoothie. Naturally. I can't taste anything in a smoothie, can you? I can't. It's just a big lump of, you know, goodness. Uh, no, no, no. Like, if you take, like, good stuff like bananas and apples and you add other stuff to it, that other stuff kind of ruins the good stuff is what happens. It's like, you know, chocolate-covered dirt. Sure, the chocolate's nice, but the dirt kind of ruins the moment, you know what I'm saying? So, anyway, this has kind of been our debate going back and forth, back and forth. And the truth is, fasting is hard, and it's just supposed to be hard. It's, it's meant to be hard. If it's not hard, you're not doing it right. Um, if you're, if you're, you know, if you're, if I, if I were to fast.
fast Brussels sprouts. That would not be doing it right. That's not, like, that's the rest of the year. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not, like, that's not, like, I was talking to uh, Brian. He was, was recommending a, a nice dish that I could get with bacon in it. And I said, well, I can't have bacon. Um, it's broccoli and bacon. Was, you know, I can't have bacon. She said, well, no, this is for after the fast. And I'm like, why would I intentionally purchase broccoli after the fast? <laughs> It's like, I could get a slice of pizza for that cost, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, what am I? No, 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 this is for Jesus. And after Jesus tells me 21 days are up, then I'm like, I'm going to return to my, my, my trough. And uh, as a dog returns to his vomit, that's how I'm going. And uh, it's, just, it's, just, it's just the way that it is. And uh, hopefully Jesus will deliver me and um, set me free from that. But um, it's difficult, and it's supposed to be difficult. And you're going to feel like giving up. And so if you are fasting with us, let me just encourage you. Um, feeling like giving up is natural. This is normal. It's, it, you know, your stomach growling, that's natural. Being hungry all the time, that's natural. Having cravings, all of these things are natural and they're hard and they're supposed to be. And I think, you know, for a fast, it's a little bit obvious because you tell people, hey, you can't hardly eat anything. Woo! You understand this is going to be difficult. So you go into it with a mindset that says this is going to be hard. But with life, oftentimes we enter life with a little bit different mindset. We don't know, I don't know if nobody tells us this. I don't know if, 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 if it's not like sung about on Caleb enough. I'm not sure. But for some reason, we don't understand that life is going to be hard. Now, one of my favorite Christian artists, he died back in um, 99, called Rich Mullins. He wrote, he wrote, uh, he wrote this song um, called, uh, what was that song called? It was, uh, it was a Christian breakup song. It was one of my favorite songs that he ever wrote. It was beautiful. He was a beautiful poet. And he wrote it, and it was about two people breaking up. And, and, and when he asked why he wrote it, he said, because there weren't any Christian breakup songs on the Christian radio. It's like Christians never break up. You know, it's like they just stay. Every every Christian that comes there, they just stay together forever. And and he said this kind of it's kind of felt off to me. It felt dishonest, you know. And so he wrote a Christian breakup song. Maybe I'm just weird, but I sort of like that kind of honesty. I kind of like that kind of reality, right? So it's not like it's not like everything is going to be beautiful and wonderful. It's life is going to be hard. And if you're a Christian, life is going to be hard. If you're not a Christian, life is going to be hard Uh, um, for two reasons. Number one, because um, there are other people in this world and you know like um there are people who who go to get on the freeway and they're on the access ramp and nobody told them that they're supposed to speed up on the instead they slow down they're merging anxiety disorders what i call it like they like you know the the little ladies sit there and they're like you know like i've been behind somebody they literally stop on the access ramp and I'm like, now, unless you're in a Lamborghini Diablo, this is not a good idea. Because I can't go from 0 to 60 in 3.5 seconds. My little four-cylinder needs about, you know, 3.5 minutes. I need, like, all the, the space, you know, I can get. And, and she, I guess she's waiting for the freeway to clear. I don't know what's going on. She's just wa- it's like, no, no. You're supposed- so as long as there's other people around you, life is going to be difficult. Because other people just aren't as smart as you. And, and, and... <laughs> <laughs> and as long as you are in the world, life is going to be difficult because you and I have a wonderful ability of, of messing things up all by ourselves. We have an amazing ability of just kind of like, like, like the other day I was getting something out of the cupboard and uh, I threw something away, had that left the cupboard door open. And I went to put something in the trash and I caught my head on the top of the... It wasn't the kid's fault that time. 
It wasn't Rose's fault. It wasn't my wife's fault. It was my fault. It's like those kind of injuries, like your body just reacts. It convulses. Like, what in the world? Just, you, know, you know, you fall back. And, like, I have a little scar on my skull, you know. And well, that's a good time for some sympathy, people. I mean, help a pastor out here. It's not really like, thank you. Golly, I'm going through it here. No, you know, little caffeine, little sugar, and I'm bumping my head everywhere. But those are the things, like, like we, we do that in the natural. We also do that in the spiritual. Though. We also do that with our, with our relationships. We also do that with our lives. We have a way of kind of taking a good thing and really, really making it a mess. We, as long as the other people are in the world, there's going to be difficulty. As long as you're in the world, there's going to be difficulty. And for those of us who, who are following Christ, really we have a third element to all of this, is that we have an enemy. And so we believe in a guy uh, who calls himself the devil or Satan or Beelzebub, whatever you want to call um, and, and, and And his mission, the Bible calls him an enemy, his mission is to steal and to kill and to destroy. And so we believe that this, that this, this enemy, this, this unseen, the spirit, is constantly at work um, against us. And, and the closer you get to God, the more ticked off he gets. And so we just had a baptism service this past Wednesday night. It was awesome. We had five people get baptized on Wednesday night. And um, uh, those five of you, you have a target on your back now. So congratulations. The devil's out for you. Um, You know, it's like we are excited that they're making that decision. We are excited about the power of God. But the reality is that the enemy of your soul is not going to be happy. He's not going to be relaxed and just chill as you you make your life better. This is not a part of his plan. And so we have an enemy. And and we see this, of course, the people of God in 1 Samuel. They also have an enemy. His name is Nahash. By the way, the, the word Nahash means serpent or snake it's kind of interesting the devil's often portrayed as a snake his means snake means serpent so the serpent the snake comes up against this little clan uh, of israel named the jabesh gilead and 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 immediately they understand that they're outnumbered and i think it's so much like us i think this is just a perfect picture of us we are jabesh gilead uh, I am Jabesh Gilead. Uh, the, the enemy approaches Jabesh Gilead and surrounds them and cuts them off. Now, what's interesting is, how in the world does, does, does Jabesh Gilead get far enough away from the rest of their tribe, from the rest of Israel, in order that they would be isolated like this? Well, glad that you asked. Um, in chapter 10, Jabesh Gilead, uh, there, were, there were a number of people that didn't like the fact that Saul had been appointed king. And there were a number of people who said, we're not going to send him gifts and we're not going to come to his party and we're going to move off by ourselves. We're going to rule ourselves. And many believe that one of those people was uh, this clan called Jabesh Gilead because they're far removed from the rest of the tribe of Israel. And they and there's, there's some other contextual clues that they were the ones who said, we don't like Saul, and so we're going to go off and do our own thing. And that's kind of like us. Like I said, we have uh, an infinite uh, capacity to mess up our own lives and, to, and to, to see, you know, to see a good thing and then be like, I really don't want that good thing. I want to go figure it out for myself. And so these guys, the Jabesh Gilead, this clan, they, they, had, they, had, they had isolated themselves and they had gone off on their own. And this is always a dangerous place to be. That's why we encourage people to come to church so that you don't walk this life alone. 
Uh, when you walk this life alone, you become a prey for the enemy to be able to surround you and, and you feel outnumbered. And this is what Jabesh Gilead does. They feel absolutely surrounded. They are outnumbered. They look around and they say, oh my goodness, we cannot even begin to fight these guys. So we need to negotiate with them. And this is what we often do in our lives. Instead of fighting the snake because the snake or the enemy of our souls is so powerful, we end up negotiating with him. Let's get a treaty. Let's get a way for you to kind of reside in my heart and maybe a little bit of God too. And, and we'll just kind of figure out some way for this to work without, without actually having to fight, without having to do anything. And that's why we say don't keep calm because I think sometimes our calmness is killing us. Sometimes a quietness is killing us. And it's not bad to be quiet. It's not bad to be calm. If you are calm and resting in Jesus, but we don't often rest in Jesus. We are, we are not usually content with Jesus. We are usually content without Jesus. The calmness I'm talking about, the quietness I'm talking about is when your family is falling apart and you're still acting like nothing's going on. It's when your kids are going crazy and you're still like, oh, it'll probably turn itself around. When things are, uh, like, like the panic button should be getting pushed in your life and you're like, this is not good, something's going on here, I need to do something. It's that, like that calmness is not good. That calmness is killing us. And so I want us to stir ourselves up a little bit to look at some of the issues in our life, some of the times that we are surrounded, and we all have these moments, we are surrounded by an enemy that is stronger than us, that is smarter than us, and that has us outnumbered. And what do you do in those moments? What do you do? And, and Jabez Gilead is, 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 is tempted with keeping calm. And so they say, let's go make a contract. Let's keep calm. Let's not fight. Let's not try to get out of this. Let's just, let's just negotiate with the enemy. And the enemy's negotiations, the terms of his negotiations are interesting. If we could put that back up on the screen. I think it's uh, chapter 11, verse 2. Nahash the Ammonite answered and said, okay, this is, this is, this is the condition. These are the terms. These, this is my negotiation. Now, remember, he has them surrounded. He doesn't have to negotiate. He can just squash them. He can just kill them, take their land, take all of their spoil, take their treasures, and be gone. But the enemy is interested in negotiation. That's what's interesting to me. He's interested in it. The enemy of your soul is interested in negotiation. By the way, I think the enemy of your soul is more interested in negotiating than he is in actually killing you or destroying you. Negotiation means something to him. We'll get into that here in a second. But he, he is interested. And he says, yes, it sounds, like, it sounds like a plan. Okay, these are the conditions. I'll make a covenant with you. But first, I have to put out all of your right eyes and, secondly, bring a reproach against Israel. Now, there's more to it than simply the pain, obviously, of losing a right eye. Because in those days, um, when you would go to battle, uh, you typically would have a large shield. A large shield. I mean, uh, the Romans perfected it, but even in those days, they had a large shield that was so large, it had a stake, a spike in the bottom of it, and you could, you could stick it in the ground and literally hide your whole body behind that shield. And so the shield was, was long this way, so it would cover basically the left-hand side of your face. And so the shield comes up here and covers the left-hand side of your face. So when you're fighting, the only way that you can see to fight is by using your right eye. And what the enemy is saying is, I, I, I want to take out your fighting eye. I don't mind if you have your cooking eye. I don't mind if you keep your go-to-the-grocery-store eye. I don't mind if you live with the, you know, raise the children, change the diapers eye. But I want to take away the eye that sees the battle. 
what, what's the enemy doing? He's trying to blind them to the battle in their life. And that's exactly what our enemy does. He wants to blind us to the battle. One of the most dangerous things you can do is believe that you are on a playground when you're actually on a battleground. And one of the reasons, honestly, why, why Roe and I decided to plant a church here in South Austin is because two years ago I felt called to plant a church and I just began driving around and God, God led me up to this area. We were in San Marcos and so I just began driving throughout this area through Onion Creek and through Garlic Creek down in Buda and, and through, through several of these neighborhoods just driving around through South Park Meadows and, and driving around. And one thing that I felt, I just felt on my heart that, that people were just unaware of the battle that they were in. South Austin, there's a lot of affluence here. A, we, we don't really struggle with a whole lot of poverty. There's some, but, but compared to other parts of the U.S., I mean, we're, we're doing pretty good. The job market's doing pretty good. I mean, Google just moved in. Apple moved in. Like, a lot of folks moved into Austin. And Austin is, 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 is blossoming. And a lot of uh, the budget is, is, is exploding. You know, and a lot of uh, development. A lot of things are happening. And there's, there's so much to keep us distracted. There's so much materialism to hide the battle. That the enemy wants to blind us to the battle. And, I f- and as I drove through, I just felt like, man, people are in really nice homes. They're driving really nice vehicles. But they don't understand the brevity of their situation. They don't understand how, how dangerous their life is. And they are, they, are, they are living on the edge. They're living on the edge oftentimes of divorce, oftentimes of, 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 of all-out addiction. A lot of the homeless in the city that we reach out to, they, they, a lot of them get to that place because of, because of addiction. And they, 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 they were once college students at UT. They were once, you know, they would tell you their story. And it's like, man, is that drug worth it? Is it I, don't, I don't know. Like, you, you see what you've lost. But, but, they, they, it, but it starts, it starts when, they're, when, they, when they have a job and when they're in a nice house. And all of that, they don't understand they're in a battleground. They don't see they're blinded to the battle. They can see with their left eye. They can see with one side of their life. They can see the physical, but they don't see the spiritual behind it. So they see that things are going wrong in their life, but they don't know why. They see that things are are not lining up the way that they should, but they don't understand why. And because they can't see the battle, they're blinded to it. And that's what the enemy wants to do to each and every one of us. But I got good news for you today, and I guess the good news is that you don't have to accept the terms of the enemy. You don't have to accept the terms. All of us have been at one time willing to negotiate, and that's not good, but it just shows our laziness. By the way, this same, this same tribe, they also, not only did they reject Saul to be king, but, but years earlier in the book of Judges, this same tribe was the only tribe actually to not help out the rest of the tribes when they went to war against the tribe of ben- Benjamin. They stayed home because they, were, they didn't want to fight. And the enemy knows this about us. He knows that we'd rather take the easy route. We'd rather make do with, you know, and just get by. And we, you know, 72% of Americans are that personality. We are the personality that says, I just want to cruise and chill and I don't want to ruffle any feathers. And we're not really fighters, sort of lovers. And this is just who we are. And the enemy knows that. And so he comes to us not to destroy us immediately, but rather to make a contract. Let's let's settle this. Let's just let's just make an agreement. You don't mess with me too much. I won't mess with you, and and it'll be good. But what happens is when you lose your fight, you lose your freedom. When you lose your fight, you lose your freedom. When you are blinded to the battle, you no longer can have victories, and so you remain locked 
into this place of, of doing what you don't want to do and not doing what you want to do. You lose your fight, you lose your freedom, you lose your, 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 your fight, you lose your family, you lose, you, lose, you lose all control of the stuff that ought to be yours. And this is where Jabesh Gilead is. And so they don't accept the terms. I love it. They, they come back and they say, um, yeah, about that. <laughs> we didn't really, we didn't really, we didn't really like that, that term. <laughs> and, uh. Not only were they about to lose their, their fight, they were blinded to the battle, but also when you, when you lose your right eye, um, they would not have been allowed to go into worship. This is the other reason, I think, why they rejected the terms is because uh, in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, the old ancient Jewish uh, law was if you were lame or if you were uh, disabled in any way, you were not allowed to enter into the temple. You were not allowed to go up to Jerusalem for worship. And so that's the second thing the enemy wants to do. He wants to steal your fight, but he also, he, also, he also wants to stop your worship. And that's one of the first things that goes whenever we feel surrounded by the enemy. We stop our worship. And uh, I'm not just talking about worship attendance like on Sunday morning, although that is one thing that goes. Uh, stop returning my calls. And uh, <laughs> Jesus loves you. And, uh, you know, no, we, 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 we hold back. We, we pull back from God. When we start to feel not worthy, when we start to feel not good enough, when we start to feel like, ah, man, I'm struggling with this, I'm dealing with that, and, I, and we pull back. And that's exactly what the enemy wants us to do. He, he wants to pull us away. And he says, he says so that it may bring a reproach. And the word reproach means a stripping. So what he wanted to do, see, what, 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 the, what the enemy wants to do in your life is not just about you. He doesn't just, like, he doesn't just want to destroy you because he, he doesn't like you. He's, he, 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 he doesn't like God. And so he wants to strip from God what, what should be God's. He wants to take away from God what should be God's. And our worship, our lives, should be God's because God created us. And so he has rightful ownership before anybody else uh, said anything about us. He picked out our eye color, our hair color. He, he designed us. He formed us in the womb. And not only did he make us, but he also, after we had turned away from him, he died for us. He purchased us. And so the enemy always wants to strip or to steal what ought to be God's. He wants to take that away. And this is why he's after us. This is why he's after Jabesh Gilead. He says, I want to bring a reproach on Israel. I want to strip Israel from one of, one of the clans. I want to... I want, like I don't like when, I, when they all go up to worship. I don't want you to be there. When they all uh, get, uh, find out what God is doing in their lives, I don't want you to be there. When they all get blessed, I don't want you to be blessed. When He wants to strip from the people of God people that really deserve and ought to be there. But these guys rejected the enemy's options, and um, they didn't negotiate with the enemy. Second Corinthians ten uh, three, three through five um, talks about. One of the ways that we can reject the enemy's options, that we cannot negotiate with the enemy. It says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. And that's, that, that's basically what I've been talking about. I'm talking about an unseen enemy. Uh, if, you know, if, if your enemy was seen, then you could just get an AK-47 and, you know, especially in Texas, you'd be all right. You'd be good. But our enemy is unseen. And so we don't, we don't, we don't walk according to the flesh. In other words, we're not talking about the eye that sees the, the, the physical things. We walk according to the spirit. For the Weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh or are not physical, but they are mighty. They're much more powerful than physical weapons because this is what they do. They pull down strongholds, casting down arguments 
and every high thing that exalts itself. Now, now when it says pull down stronghold, stronghold in the physical is, is a building, you know, that you build, it's a castle that you build to defend land that you have taken. And what, and, and what our weapons do is they pull down these strongholds. And so many of us have strongholds in our life. We have areas where the enemy has taken ground and he has set up shop. And so what the, the power of God does when we call on God, when we use this power, it, it casts down those things. It pulls down those strongholds. And this is how it does it. It casts down every argument. So the strongholds of the enemy are not like physical buildings. They are beliefs that you have in your head. <laughs> they are beliefs. It's an argument that you have in your head. And this is what he says. This is, this is what the power of God can do. It can tear down those beliefs. Because behind your action is a belief. Behind every action is a belief. You do something, not because, I don't know why I did it. Well, actually, you do. Somewhere in the back of your head, you have a belief that would, that would precipitate what you, what will you act on. And he says what we want to do is we want to tear down those strongholds by, by casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And this is how it happens, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And so first off, if you want to reject the enemies, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to bring thoughts into captivity in your life. In other words, you're going to have to start interrogating thoughts. Now, we all have thoughts. I have crazy thoughts sometimes. <laughs> I'm like, all right, you... You go and you you can stay. Yeah, but we have to interrogate thoughts. And, 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 you know, like in an interrogation, figure out the name. Thought, what is your name? And thoughts always they they they, they always give you their 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 false name first. They give you their fake identity. They hand you their their you know their their fake ID, and um, they always come to you as something other than what they are initially. So you know, for instance, like if you've been in the church for a while, you've probably had the thoughts of concern. Well, I'm concerned. That's usually not what that thought is called. That's just what it tells you that it's called. Um, especially if you're concerned about something somebody else is doing and you don't want to talk to that person. You want to talk to, like, all these people over here. Come on, somebody. And I'm, not, I'm not really pointing to Dallas necessarily. <laughs> I was just pointing that direction. Uh, people over here. Uh, but, you know, I have a concern. And my concern is that so-and-so is really, you know, I'll tell you what. That's called gossip, by the way. That's the real name of that one. Uh, it's good to have concerns, but when those concerns are about other people that aren't a part of the conversation. That's not a concern. That's called gossip. That's what that, that's what that, the name of that. So you figure out the name of the thought. And sometimes the way you figure out the name is you ask you, where did you come from? And where are you going? <laughs> all thoughts from the snake, all thoughts, rebel thoughts, they all come from the snake and they all lead back to the snake. Every thought that comes from God comes from God, and it leads back to God. If this thought makes you more like God, then it's a good thought. If this thought improves your life, if this thought makes you feel more at peace, if this thought gives you more, more connection with God and with His people, then it's probably a good thought. If that's where it's leading, if that's where it's going. But, man, if it's leading toward despair, if it's leading toward anxiety... You gotta take that thing captive, which means you grab a hold of it and you, you know, you cuff it. We got some police officers in here. You, 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 you cuff it, you read it its rights, and you take it away. You get it out of your mind. This is how you don't negotiate 
say there's an they, they, they say there's another option, and so this is the option. They say, can can you give us seven days, and and we're going to call on um, the rest of our neighbors to see if anybody can come and help us. Now, no like enemy in the world would typically say yes to that. Right? I mean, can you imagine an enemy being like, oh, sure, you want seven days to see if you can get some help to fight against us? Yeah, yeah, sounds, sounds like a plan. Go ahead, take all the time you need. Two weeks, three, three weeks notice. All right, this is cool. All right, it's all good. Like, this is a weird activity by Nahash, right? This is really odd. This is really strange. He, he is allowing seven days for them to send off an invitation for help. And this shows, first of all, it shows the belief of the snake. The snake thinks that the king is not going to come. The snake thinks that the people, because you've got to understand, Jabesh Gilead, they abandoned their brothers in the book of Judges, and just the chapter before, they abandoned their king. They rejected their king. And so the snake says, you're all alone, dude. You uh, you can try. Go, good luck, you know. Uh, go for it. If you want to use, you know, our, our, our computers, send out the email. That's cool. Um, but it's not going to happen. You've rejected your king. You've forsaken your brothers. Neither one of them are going to help you. The king, the, the Nahash, the king of the Ammonites, he's so confident in his lie. <laughs> and this is the downfall of the enemy. He ends up believing his own lie. And so he tells you you're all alone. And then he actually believes it. <laughs> he tells you that you are beyond hope. And then he actually believes it. So he's like, sure, you want to go to church? Go ahead, try it out. I mean, it's, it's not going to help you. I mean, you're like, you're so far gone. Like, you're so deep in this. Like, yeah, go ahead. Seven days, sure. Do whatever you like. You want to fast and pray? You want to get baptized? Hey, man, that's cool. That's fine. It's not, like, the king's not going to help you. King's going to help other people, but you have rejected your king, and you have forsaken your brothers. There's no way they're going to help you. <laughs> and the Nahash's arrogance comes back to bite him. <laughs> he, uh, we see in verse 5 that Saul, the king that was rejected by Jabesh, hears about these words. And the Spirit of God came on Saul, and Saul got ticked. I tell you when how God the reason why you shouldn't keep calm is because God's not keeping calm when God hears about your captivity I think it just lights a fire under his butt I think he just is like what no he's like uh 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 mm uh mm, mm. I'm kind of white, but that's what I mean by, like, that's what the way that he, you know, he, if, if if he's white, I don't know. Um, but this is what fires up. Like, Saul gets so ticked that he, 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 was, he was just, like, taking care of animals. Now he's killing animals. And he's taking, he's, you know, he's, he's hacking them up. He's sending these bloody packages to the rest of the town. And he's like, all right, guys, if you don't help, uh, I want to kill all of your animals. And I'm gonna. And, and, and the animals for them was their commerce. That was their economy. So basically, I'm gonna drain your savings account, folks. If you don't help out, like it's you're gonna be in big trouble. And so he rallies the otherwise uh, apathetic crowd, and he puts them on mission. And he and he tells, <laughs> he gives that message to the people of Jabesh. Tomorrow, this time, you will have help. 
Nahash was greatly uh, mistaken about the king. He was greatly mistaken about the people. And I have to tell you that your enemy is greatly mistaken about your king, and he's also greatly mistaken about the church. You may have forsaken your brothers, you may have rejected your king, but both your brothers and your king (laughs) have a message for you. You will have help. (laughs) You will have help. You're not alone in this. If you want to read what God says about you, Isaiah 43, verse 1 through 4, I have the message paraphrase. This is what God says. He says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I have redeemed you. I've called your name. You are mine. When you're in over your head, I'll be there with you. When you're in rough waters, you will not go down. When you're between a rock and a hard place, it will not be a dead end for you. Because I am God, your personal God, the Holy One of Israel, I am your Savior. I paid a huge price for you. That's how much you mean to me. That's how much I love you. I'd sell off the whole world to get you back. I'd trade all of the creation just for you. <laughs> That's the king that is way... That, <laughs> That's the king on the other end of your call for help. And so what am I saying? Basically, I'm saying that you are one call away from help. The the, the, the answer for Jabesh Gilead is the same answer for you and me. It is not that we need to, you know, well, let's go. I've got to get up and fight all these battles myself. No, no, no. You are outnumbered. You can't do it on your own. The answer is to call out to God for help. And you have a guarantee. You have a, a, a signed, sealed, delivered guarantee that your God will hear you. He cares about you. You might have rejected him, but he cares for you. And your brothers remember you. Your brothers care for you. And they want you back in the family. They don't want you destroyed. They don't want you to be slaves. They don't want you to lose your fight. We want you, we want you to learn how to fight the fight of faith, which is not the fight of works, not where you do stuff on your own, but where you trust and you believe. You call on God. And God answers you. Here's some scriptures in case you needed a few more. Jeremiah 33, verse 3. God says this to you and me. He says, call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you don't even know. Call on me in the day of trouble, he says in Psalm 50. I will deliver you and then you will glorify me. Psalm 56, 9 says, when I cry out to you, when I cry out to God, then my enemies will turn back. This I know because God is for me. And so that's my message. I, you know, you, you, you and I, you, you may feel like Jabesh, but I am like a messenger from the king telling you help is on the way. <laughs> there, is, there, there is help coming your way when you call on God. And you might be here today and still doubtful of that. I would, I would, I would challenge you, give it a try. I would challenge you, just, just, just take seven days and call on him. <laughs> I know, I, I know the snake tells you that's not going to make any difference. I know, I like, I know you've tried before and it hasn't worked. But you know what? It's, it's the beginning of January. It's a brand new year. Why don't you take seven days and just try calling on God? Why don't you see what happens? Why don't you just test that? Why don't you just put him to the test and say, God, I need you. Unless you still want to live in what you've been living in. If you're, if you're content there, then, then you know, fine, stay there. But I don't know about you, but I want to 
I want 2016 to be a little bit different than 2015. Last week, last week we started the prayer and fasting, and on the day that we started on Sunday, uh, we had we had a quick meeting. Ro and I uh, had had a new members class directly after service, and so we went and memorized. Uh, we new memorized uh, four adults, and it was awesome. And we had our last supper together. It's the last time I had cheese and and uh, some kind of taco with meat in it, and it was lovely. Um, and um, uh, we had to skip out early though, like. Church is over. We say hi, bye, see ya, and we go over um, to Don Dario's and meet with folks. We do that every every month, the first of the month, and 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 the folks that stayed back, the the, the tear down crew, they started tearing down, working, and and there was a crew that stayed out in the hallway, and uh, they told me about this afterward. There was a crew that stayed out in the hallway, Jonathan and Danielle, and and their and their little baby, Jonathan and Danielle. Jonathan got baptized Wednesday. Um, Jonathan and Danielle have a little baby, and that little baby had been sick for three 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 weeks. Like a cold, congested, coughing, drainage, like, yeah, the whole, the whole deal. For three weeks! So just and so and so they asked for prayer and so Alma and uh, Cheryl and and I think uh, uh, Janie Janie was there. Just a group of ladies gathered around them. When Alma was holding the baby, and Cheryl told me that while they were praying, that they just like they're out in the hallway, like right here, you know, and they're they're. They're not keeping calm. Let's just put it that way. And uh, they're crying out to God. They're asking God for healing. And 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 like the little baby's sitting there, and and you can just tell when babies are sick, they're just you know dejected. And, and suddenly the baby like saw something over Cheryl's shoulder, like in the back, and like focused on that and began smiling and and just kind of like saw something there. And from that moment on, the baby was completely healed. There was no symptoms. Like the symptoms just stopped. So you can you can keep your sickness for three weeks if you like. <laughs> like that's up to you. It's amazing what, how long we live with stuff. It's amazing how long we put up with stuff before we get desperate enough to call on God. But man, when you call on God, He shows up. He does what nobody else can do for you. He takes steps in and He works something a little something we like to call miracles. It happens. It happens today. It happens now. You say I don't believe in that stuff. Well. That's great. Just get out of line, because I do, and I want some more of that in my life. I'm going to call on God. I'm going to call on God for healing in my life. I'm going to call on God for healing in my family. I'm going to call on God for healing in this region. I, there's, 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 there's so much that I'm hungry for God to do in 2016, and I, it's got to start. It's got to start by a call. And it starts with calling and inviting him into your heart. And so if you would like to do that, we're going to bow our heads for just a moment and clo- close all of our eyes. And nobody looking around, not, not, not a bunch of movement. I just want to give you a moment, just a quick moment, to make a first decision, an initial choice to, to receive Jesus. And if you want to do that today, if you want to say, I'm willing to call on Jesus, would you raise your hand right now? And, and uh, yeah, raise hands all over. That's awesome. Just raise your hand and say, that's me. I'm calling on him. I need him. I'm tired of doing it on my own. That's awesome. This is a step that I'm going to take. All right, you can put your hands down now. And would you just pray with me? And just start. It's just super simple. Just start off and just say, God, I need you. Yeah, God, I need you. Hmm. I invite you into my heart. I invite you into my life. Forgive me for doing it my own way. From this day forward, I am going to serve you. Jesus. 
put my trust in Jesus Christ alone. Mm-hmm.